Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship at Hillhead, whether we're in the hotel or on Zoom. And a special welcome this morning to David and Sheila, who I believe are visiting us today in the hotel. Our service will be led by our Minister Katrina, but we'll also hear from a number of other people this morning, including Edith and Bethany, Petri, Will, Jeff, Ian, Elizabeth, Katrina and Rachel. Our musicians this morning are Paul, Neil and Yang Yang. And in just a moment, Wendy will be lighting our candle. Uh, Sunday School is meeting today and that will be in the Kelvin Suite just opposite across the corridor from the Kibble Suite. So at the appropriate moment, just watch for Bethany and follow her out to Sunday School. Immediately after this service, there will be a church meeting to which everyone is very welcome, although only covenanted members can vote. We'll take a 10-minute comfort break at the end of the service, uh, but please return to your seats promptly uh, in 10 minutes so we can begin our meeting on time. Then at 7pm, Katrina will be leading evening prayers on Zoom, and the invitation was in yesterday's email. Just the one bit of family news, just a wee reminder about John McKinnon's funeral arrangements. John's funeral service will be held in the small chapel at Maryhill Crematorium at 1.45 on Tuesday, followed at approximately 2.30pm by a burial in Lamb Hill Cemetery. So that's 1.45 on Tuesday in the small chapel at Maryhill Crematorium. If you are able to attend and comfortable to attend, it would be a lovely thing to do because none of John's family are based in Glasgow. So um, we would be the only Glasgow-based people there. Uh, the rest of his family are, are either driving in or flying in for the service. And I'm sure it would be lovely if they could see some of John's friends there. For those who aren't able to attend, we aim to do what we've done the last couple of times, we've had a funeral and that is to send a copy of the service uh, to everyone by email so that you can follow the service at home. These, I think, are all the notices, so time now for Wendy to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
so we come to God in prayer. Let us pray together. God, whose love is new every morning, we're glad to gather here, welcomed and accepted by you. Christ, who teaches us the way of love, we are eager to learn of you and from you as we continue to try to follow you. Spirit, who inspires us to love and who comforts us when we need love, we ask you to open our hearts and minds as we worship, as we reflect and as we pray. Loving God, perfect community in diversity. Help us and bless us, we pray, with renewed hope, faith and love to face the challenges of the days ahead. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
So I'm going to ask you a question. And I have, I think, four people lined up to offer their responses to that. And the question is this, and we're all invited to think about it. If you could have dinner with one person, living or dead, real or fictional, who would that be? And just very briefly, why? And we're going first to ask Ian, who is joining us on Zoom. Yes, thanks, Katrina. Um, the person I would like to have to dinner is Nelson Mandela. He, uh, he greatly impressed me in various ways. But a while back, Mary and I were on holiday in South Africa, and we had the opportunity to go to Robben Island. Now, Robben Island is about the size of Iona, just off the coast of South Africa. And um, we, the, there's a prison there, and it is just Spartan, really. One room he, he lived in, no bed, no plumbing, and he lived in that for 17 of his 27 years. We've got that wrong, I think. 18. 18 years. Or the first 18 years of his imprisonment, he lived there. And uh, he, he just didn't seem to, at the end of the day, have any problems about that. He, he treated everybody afterwards as if they were his best friends. But out the back from there, there was a, a quarry, a limestone quarry, where he and the rest of them sat and chiselled away at bits of stone, come rain or shine or whatever. And again, that greatly impressed me. But it, it seems to me that he was somebody of incredible uh, force of, of, of will. During the time he was there, he actually changed the regime in the prison and made it more prisoner friendly. Now for a prisoner to do that is quite something. And it led really to the future where he led uh, South Africa into, into a, new, a new way of living. And uh, so I'd really like to talk to him and find out what it was that drove him, how he managed to be such a, a Christian. Now, I don't know whether he was a Christian or not, the person who would tell us that would be Archbishop Tutu. And I'd love to have him along as well. I think it would be really quite something uh, for them to get together and to pick their brains. So that's it. <laughs> Morning, everybody. Um, the person that I would like to have dinner with is someone that I've never met before. That was my granddad on my mum's side, so my mum's dad. He passed away before he got to meet any of his grandchildren. He knew my oldest cousin, Jack, would, was on the way, but he died a few months before, before he got to meet, meet him. So um, it would be good to have a big you know, family dinner to actually, for the six of us who are his grandchildren, to all actually get together and have the chats that we never got to have. Um, and... From the stories that I've heard about my granddad, him and I are quite a lot alike in that we are ditzy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the old, um, the toasters that you didn't have an automatic pop, you had to go and hit the button to make it pop. 
Um, apparently there was quite frequent shouts of, Dad, the toast is burning! Um, he was also very good at any kind of DIY. Um, the fact that he had three daughters didn't phase him in the slightest of teaching um, all three daughters how to build a set of shelves, um, fix a car, a whole bunch of different things. And I think he would have loved all the all the technology that we have now that we didn't have in the late late 80s. Um, I think he would have been taking everything apart to see how it worked and then possibly managing to put it back together again, unless he lost some of the bits. Or he'd wind up with one lone bit at the end and not sure where it's supposed to go. Um, yeah, I think that's me. Lovely, thank you, Katrina. And yeah, I think perhaps a lot of us would 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 have um, recognition of, of things and that people in our own family tree that we never got to meet. Um, I think we're over to Elizabeth next, and then to Rachel, both on Zoom. Good morning. Um, I would love to have dinner with Michelle Obama. I haven't got a great um, lot to say, but other than I think she's a fascinating woman. Um, I think she's a very wise woman, and I would just like to um, hear more from her, really. And her books that she's written are, are fascinating as well. And just to generally chat to her and get to know her and, and all her wisdom and thoughts on the world and poverty and every, everything. Just I just think she's just a brilliant woman, and I think she'd make a great first lady president <laughs> you so much elizabeth well it's, it's already quite a, a gathering isn't it with these various people um, rachel are you going to share somebody with us so i've been thinking long and hard about this question i am fascinated by history and the further back you go the more questions and thirst for knowledge i had i have i have to say though after a lot of thinking i would love to sit down with king arthur myth man legend I would love to figure out what is myth and what is real. I would love to get an insight into the kind of life he lived. If, you know, I know much of it was, much of his stories were remade by medieval uh, storytellers, but what was it like for him? Was he actually this mythical hero that a lot of the stories that we have nowadays make him out to be? Did he have those solid group of companions that are portrayed in the stories, just finding out a little bit more about his time in history. It would make my day. Thank you so much, Rachel. That's lovely. Very briefly. We haven't got time to um, do the whys of them, but anybody either on, on zoom or in the room who would like to just wave at me and say, this would be the person that I would love to have dinner with. I think there's Mary and I think Edith Fleming. Edith Fleming, did you want to say somebody? Or was that just a general? No, I think there might have been a general wave. Mary. Jane Austen. Jane Austen, yeah. She would be my absolute favourite person to have dinner with. Thank you, Mary. Anybody else? Got, uh, yeah, Heather. Right, thank you. So that was Flora MacDonald, who was much more than just part of the Bonnie Prince Charlie story. She was a warrior and uh, activist in her own right. Uh, Anita? On behalf of Bonnie, she'd like to have dinner with Taylor Swift. Bonnie would like to have dinner with Taylor Swift. That sounds pretty amazing. Wonderful. So all sorts of people we'd love to have dinner with. 
Well, we're going to be thinking about a surprise guest today, at least the adults are. Um, I think after our next piece of music, our young folk are going to leave us for Sunday school or they can go during the next piece of music. Now the green blade rises from the buried grave, wheat that in dark first reading is from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Now, on that day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, 
What are you discussing with each other? While you walk along, they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning with us within us, while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This much we do know. Cleopas and another disciple of Jesus were leaving Jerusalem towards the end of the day. A distance of seven miles, we're told. 
So it would take perhaps two and a half hours at a steady pace. And they hoped to arrive home before sunset and to have a meal before going to bed. We don't know when they arrived in Jerusalem or why they had been there. Perhaps as devout Jews, they visited for the Passover festival. Perhaps as loyal followers of Jesus, they stayed on after his arrest and execution. Perhaps they'd been part of the crowd that stood around the fire while Jesus was being tried at the house of the high priest. Maybe they stood at the distance as he was crucified. And possibly they'd been part of the sorrowful cortege to the tomb. What we are told is that they'd been part of the group to whom the women came with their report of the empty tomb. And they'd heard how some of those present had gone to the tomb and confirmed that the body was gone, but nobody had seen Jesus. I wonder how many people were in Jerusalem that day. And of those, how many actually were aware of the strange events that weighed so heavy for these two friends of Jesus as they made their lonely way home? However fast the story might have spread, it seems really unlikely that many people would have known, not even if the authorities had been alerted and a search had been begun to look for the body. So for them to be met by a stranger who didn't know what had happened would, I'd like to suggest, actually be more likely than not. So why was Cleopas so surprised? Again, we can't know. But my own experience is that sometimes when I'm really deeply interested and involved me involved with something, it can surprise me that other people really don't know anything about it. But perhaps what is especially unexpected is that the stranger takes control of the conversation and that Cleopas and his friend allow that to happen. Were they just too sad and bewildered to argue? too powerless to ask him to stop? Or was there something about this stranger, his manner, his tone of voice, his presence, that suggested he might just have wisdom and insight worth listening to? By the time they reached Emmaus, he had spoken at length and they had listened intently. Their feelings had begun to change in ways that they couldn't quite yet recognise. But they were reluctant for this to end. It was the end of the day. It would soon be dark and not safe for him to go on further. So they did the decent thing and invited him in. A meal was prepared. The lamps were lit. And as the fourth day began, they invited their guests to pray a blessing and share food with them. Of course, we know what happened next, but they could never have expected it. Looking at him and looking at each other, they suddenly realised who this mystery guest was. They were so caught up in the moment that they didn't notice him leave or disappear, or whatever it was that actually happened. 
But in that moment, even though it was now dark, they put on their sandals, they wrapped their cloaks around them for warmth, and as fast as they could, they hurried back to Jerusalem. It must have been around the middle of the night by the time they got there. And it must have caused quite a kerfuffle when they arrived at the secret hiding place where the other disciples were gathered. Weary and at the same time wired, confused and yet comforted, frightened yet excited, they shared their news with the women and the men gathered together in the flickering light. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God.
So again, this much we do know that Cleopas and another disciple of Jesus returned to Jerusalem at the end of a long day in which so much had occurred that they could never have expected. A distance of seven miles, we're told, and by now it was dark. So it would have taken at least two and a half hours at a steady space, and if they didn't stop. Finding where the other disciples and their companions gathered together, they were eager to tell their news, contributing to the growing hum of excitement and expectation as tired women and men talked late into the night. Well, they all so caught up in the conversation that they didn't see him slip in through the door, carelessly left ajar. Did he simply materialise in front of them, a shimmering form becoming solid? We don't know. What we do know is that they remembered what they remembered afterwards, the stories they passed on to others, and which, in time, someone wrote down as part of their orderly account. Were their eyes deceiving them? Was this a mass hallucination? Were they seeing a ghost? We're not told. What we are told is that a man bearing the wounds of a recent beating, bruises on his face, holes where the nails have been driven through his hands and feet. Perhaps he had a limp. Were his arms wrapped protectively around his body, an instinctive defence against further injury? And then the invitation to touch him. Did anybody reach out? And if they did, was it a tentative pat on the arm, an invasive probe of the wound, or a spontaneous embrace? We don't know. He asked them for food and they found some fish, watching to see what would happen. Did Cleopas know what to expect or was he as transfixed and dumbfounded as the others? Bread at Emmaus, fish at Jerusalem. Did memories stir of hillside picnics and baskets overflowing with leftovers? Now he spoke. Cleopas and the unnamed friend listening as Jesus explained again exactly what he'd said to them just a few hours earlier. Did Cleopas nod and smile? Was it beginning to think in, sink in what had happened? Did he think by now he knew what to expect next? As how many hours did they sit in that room as the oil lamps guttered and went out? The birds began to sing and the first stirrings of daylight spangled the horizon. Did some find themselves dozing off their eyelids heavy with sleep? Where elbows prodded into snoring neighbours? Now, Jesus looked around at them, carefully observing each face, noticing the frown lines, the tear stains, the dark circles under the eyes. 
the eager expressions and the wrinkles of age. He smiled. You are my witnesses. You have seen and heard everything and I'm handing responsibility over to you to share this good news with all people everywhere. But not just yet. Stay here until you receive God's power, strength, courage, and energy. They weren't expecting that. What did it mean? How much time passed before they walked to Bethany? Was it that same day? Or was it days or even weeks later? What happened in that in-between time before he left them? We're told that they went back into Jerusalem, where they were constantly in the temple, worshipping God, at least for now. But what about us? These are stories we have heard many times. Living in a scientific age, we can so easily become sidetracked by the how or even the if of the resurrection that we lose sight of the what and the why. I was recently listening to a podcast reflecting on the resurrection stories in the various Gospels. And the speaker referred to these as Jesus's farewell tour. He noted that the gospel writers were not remotely interested in the method or mechanics of the resurrection, but in its meaning. A person on the podcast said, it's something like this. Jesus is risen. So now what? Luke's account allows us to begin from a place of confusion, disbelief or doubt. It invites us to take a long walk into the fading light of evening and to be surprised to discover that Jesus has come to walk alongside us. It encourages us to gather with others seeking to make sense of this same mystery, to share our stories, questions, theories, as we talk long into the night, going over what we have already heard. And as light dawns, as we step blinking into a new day, literal or metaphorical, we are led back by Jesus into the world as his witnesses, as those who will share his story and live out his values online and on site, in the here and now. Haven't you heard? Jesus is risen. Jesus is with us. And this tale of the unexpected goes on.
We come together and our prayers for others and in our prayers for each other. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, walked alongside us on the Emmaus Road. We pray that we feel your presence walking alongside us this morning. We pray that we will know your presence in our communities, in our country and in our world. We pray for peacekeepers and aid workers who reach beyond the boundaries, offering a hand of hope and understanding. We pray for those sheltering in bunkers in besieged cities, deafened by the constant drone of air raid sirens, warning of the dangers raining down upon them from the skies. And we pray for those with the courage to speak out against the injustices carried out in their name by their own leaders. We pray for healers, tending the wounds of ancient hurts. And we pray for those who bring justice, healing, and a different way of living. Heavenly Father, resurrected love in action. We bring you in our prayers those who sit around us, those who have joined us online, those who are already worshipped before we were even awake, far in the east, for those who have yet to see the dawn and will continue to offer up these prayers as the world turns. Heavenly Father, who shows yourself to us, give us the strength to see your mercy and forgiveness and to share this with our brothers and sisters around the world. This week, from the BMS prayer calendar, we bring you those who are working in Bangladesh to improve education, to provide opportunities for many to receive God's gift of eternal life. We pray that through their witness and work, that hope and help will arise for many people in difficult situations. And we bring to you also this week, Rebecca Sharp, chaplain at the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital in Glasgow, Cooper Baptist Church, Dalbiti Baptist Church, and Dalkeith Baptist Church. And from our own worshipping community, we are asked especially to remember this week the managers, the trustees and office holders, Ade, Moji, Esther and David, Elham, Ali, Benjamin and Bardia, Nazi, Sal, Nikam and Nikyar, Lilias and family, Marit and Tom, Alan, Edith and Tom, and Bethany. We bring you all in our church community. For those whose lives are straightforward, we give you thanks. For those who are frail, who have worries, whose lives are limited, we give you our concern. And for those we have lost, we entrust to your care all those whom we love. This we pray through Jesus Christ. Amen.
May the God of the unexpected continue to surprise us with gifts of joy, with gifts of friendship, with gifts of insight and courage and imagination. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and with all creation now and forevermore. Amen.